0: This is Daryl Lalia, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast, episode 86. Network marketing, pyramid schemes, multi-level marketing, get rich quick. Oh no, stay away. Right? Well, maybe we'll find out on today's show.
1: place mr hollywood himself presents the before the millions podcast, podcast. and now your host
0: DeRay hey what's up what's going on btm tribe we're back for another installment another episode of the before the millions podcast and tis the season I love the holiday season. I love the Christmas season, just the overall aura that it. it just kind of uplifts you, right? The Christmas caroling, the Christmas movies, the chocolate, the gift giving, the snow just brings joy, joy to my heart. On today's show, guys, I'm not, and you know, I prepared like a brief outline of one of my next talks. And I was going to share that with you guys on today's episode. But because today's episode is a little bit longer than most, I'm just going to save this talk for next episode. But the title of the talk is The Pyramids Game That You Want, Get Rich Quick. And it falls right in line with the theme of this episode because we've been taught to believe that pyramids are schemes. We've been taught to believe that pyramid schemes are bad. We've been taught to believe that get rich quick is something that you don't want to do. But I kind of want to challenge that idea. And I think that you'll agree to my findings, so stay tuned. On today's episode, we are speaking with Mr. Jack Gibson and Mr. Jeff Schechner. Now we just call Jeff Shecky. These partners, Jeff and Jack, they met just a few years ago and their skill sets complemented each other so that a partnership amongst the two of them was very viable, right? So on today's show, we talk about the power of partnerships, what you should look for in a partner, and when you know you found the right partner. And then we get into the, some of their background. We talk about how and why they're so good at what they do today. And by the way, their focus is on turnkey rentals, turnkey real estate investments. And if you don't know what that is, don't worry, we'll cover it in the show. But their background, and coincidentally, both of their backgrounds are in sales. And not just any type of sales, but door-to-door sales, network marketing, pyramid schemes. MLM, all that multi-level stuff that most people just run away from. So I was curious to hear their opinion as to why they started out in that arena and what that did for them. And I kind of already knew the answer because, again, I have a talk coming up that's titled The Pyramid's Game You Want, and we're going to debunk so many beliefs in this area. Also, if you haven't listened to any of our turnkey episodes in the past, so those specific episodes that were tailored to this exact strategy, then you're in for a bit of a treat because if you haven't heard of turnkey, if you haven't heard of a method in which you can literally just invest, collect checks, and let somebody else do all of the work, you're going to learn about that method today. As with all strategies, it comes with its pros and its cons, and I think that individuals should choose strategies based off of their goals and their circumstance. So without any further ado, let's get to the show. DeRay's tip of the week. So we cover the idea or the concept of a partnership heavily on the show. And I want you guys to know that when it comes to a partnership, a formidable partnership, we're really going to cover what type of person you're going to want to be in a partnership and what type of person you should seek out in a partnership. And that's really what's most important, guys. Like 100%, that is the most important thing. But when you drill it down, well, I like to put things in three categories and just make sure that all the pieces fit, per se. So, whenever you're considering a construct of a partnership, think about what your strengths are, what somebody else's weaknesses are. And the three buckets I like to put things in are time, money, and experience. Or you can replace experience with expertise. So, time, money, and expertise. So, if you don't have the time, but you have the money, you would go and find somebody with time to go and find investments for you. Or maybe you have the time to find and scour and do all the grunt work, but you don't have any money to actually buy these investments. Then you go find that person with the money. Or maybe you have both time and money, and you're literally trying to close on the very next good or great deal that you see, but you don't know what the heck you're doing. You need to go find somebody with experience or expertise in that given area. So Think about the things that are currently in your sphere, what you're good at, what you're capable of, what you're working with, and your partner should, and it's okay to overlap in a lot of areas, but your partner should complement in the areas where you are lacking. There's no sense in having another partner, which most people do, especially starting out. There's no sense in having a partner that's just as green as you. You guys have the same amount of experience, which is none. You guys have the same amount of money, which is none, but you guys have all the time in the world. It sounds cool. It sounds amazing. It sounds like a brand new partnership that's about to take off, but is it really? Is that the makings of a successful partnership? What I found to be successful is when there are different values from each partner, where there are different skill sets of each partner. And on today's episode, we're going to get into a lot of this. So let's go ahead and do that now. Let's get into the show.
3: And
1: now your
0: feature presentation.
1: I have Mr. Jeff Schechter on the show and Mr. Jack Gibson. Jack, let the listeners hear your voice. How are you doing today? Yeah, we're great. Thanks so much for having us. Definitely, definitely, definitely. I'm super excited to get into both of you guys' story and how you guys even know each other. So let's maybe take it back a little bit. Let's hop in the time machine. Let's talk about your younger, your formative years and how both of you guys came not only into existence as far as your
3: entrepreneurial journey, but how you guys met each other. Well, I always start this question because I had the pleasure of recruiting Shecky into our company and my entrepreneurial journey started actually when I was 19. I was a freshman at a small college and, you know, my parents were amazing and they were always supportive and on me, but their journey was always as employees. So that was kind of their mindset. They always told me, hey, get good grades, study hard. They were the parents that were at, when I was in college, mind you, they were at every single parent, you know, professor conference checking in on me. So (laughs) that was, that was great. I just loved it. You know, I couldn't skip class and without them, you know, knowing what I was doing. So that was a great uh, upbringing, but yet I was always wanting to be an entrepreneur, be independent, uh, be in, you know, own businesses So, luckily, my end of towards the tail end of my freshman year of college, I got uh, introduced to a network marketing opportunity in the nutrition business. And at that time, I was really hungry for something else besides just going to school and studying hard. So, I took advantage of that opportunity and uh, within took a, a really, really slow start. Like the first 12 months were just absolutely pretty terrible, but uh, stuck with it, learned a lot of, you know, how to be persistent and overcome problems and all the things that entrepreneurs need to be able to do. And by my senior year, I had a million dollar business. So I went into, um, I went into that full time and got my degree, made my parents proud. I didn't quit school just cause I had a successful company going. And then I, um, been an entrepreneur ever since I've never had a job and I love the freedom that being a business owner, you know, gives you. And I'd much rather work 16 hours a day for myself than eight hours for somebody else any day of the week. So about uh, three years ago, and I've been uh, steadily growing uh, that nutrition network marketing business up over the years. It's a very, very successful operation. About three years ago, I needed a place to invest my cash. I got really tired of the ups and downs of the stock market swings, And decided I was going to learn how to do real estate. And I just started devouring podcasts, you know, just like this of trying to uh, learn like, how do you become a successful real estate investor? I knew that it was something that a skill that I could learn, but I didn't know really where to start. So just started with every day for an hour at the gym, I listened to a different real estate podcast. And did that for a hundred straight days, and uh, felt like I knew enough to jump in. And sure enough, I didn't, and <laughs> made some mistakes. Um, and then uh, you know, just kept uh, going. And uh, then I um, I started uh, buying some property up in Indianapolis. Got a hold of a turnkey company there. Had a great experience. I started referring investors to the uh, the company that I was buying from. And then about uh, I don't know. 10 12 months in i realized that i actually had a, a business i was <laughs> so many clients that i had referred in and that's when i also realized i can't do this on my own i need somebody to help me really scale this operation and really market it and create systems and website and run facebook advertising and really help scale it to a level and you know do podcasts and all that and i didn't have time to do all that on my own nor did i have the expertise so That's when I uh, pitched Shecky here on becoming my business partner. He had uh, done some consultation for me. It's a digital marketing coach in my nutrition business. So I had gotten a really good feel for what his integrity was like and his skill set. And I just really had a good, just a good feeling and vibe about him. And I think that's (laughs) really, really important when you're going to form a partnership with somebody is that, you know, there's got to be, you know, that respect has got to be there and integrity above all. So that's, basically how we came together about 24 months ago, we started High Return Real Estate together June of uh, 2016. And so it's, Shecky, I'll let you tell the part about how if we knew what we know now, what we would have done differently.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine it. And Shecky, before you get to that, you know, I think about you guys' inception and we've heard one side, when Jack kind of started all of this, I mean, Jack, you were in the, in the nutrition business. You hadn't even, even set your sights on real estate. And, you know, you right. talked about that progression, but let's talk to Shecky. And guys, Shecky is, is Jeff, by the way. So when we refer to Shecky, we're talking about Jeff. So Jeff, <laughs> talk about that exact same time period. What were you doing at that time? And, you know, before you, uh, you got into this partnership, what, what was your, maybe your entrepreneurial mm-hmm. journey? And what were some of the things that you were experiencing?
2: Well, mine is not so pretty and linear as Jack's. Uh, mine, <laughs> mine, was, that's great. mine was an incredible
3: roller coaster ride. I, right, because I never had any ups and downs in my nutrition business. It was just a great <laughs> vertical growth curve.
2: <laughs> well, the good news is for you, comparatively, it was definitely a smoother, smoother ride, ride than mine. Okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> I, uh, I had a number of different businesses. Didn't know what I wanted to do in college, post-college, whatever. I drove taxi cabs for a few years. I sold advertising. I sold cars. I just was, you know, spent a lot of years really trying to find myself. I, too, was introduced to network marketing at a very, very early age, probably age 20 or 21. And really, the best part about that was really more the exposure to personal development and self-development. It took me a lot of years for a lot of that stuff to to sink in and for me to figure out what I wanted. But I I always wanted to own my own business and had a number of different businesses, some of them successful, some of them not so successful. For many years, I lived in Texas and I owned a very successful uh, payroll property or payroll management company. And after selling that off actually to my little brother, I started being not so sure about stuff, but I was... Doing some, I had done some house hacking over the years, and I saw that the internet was becoming very, very prevalent, and I had a flipping business that kind of went awry in that big 08-09 crash, and I just decided I really want to start understanding how to market on the internet. I was so fascinated by the psychology of marketing, and by being able to put information in front of a targeted audience, much different than, say, like TV or radio or things like that. When you start getting into opt-ins and that sort of stuff and people saying, you know, putting their hand up, yes, I want more information. That to me was fascinating. So I got my butt up to Austin, which was only about 80 miles away from San Antonio, And got connected with just an incredible group of internet marketing entrepreneurs and and just complete badasses and got very well connected and went to work for a buddy of mine who had a, a social media agency. And we developed, we were doing a lot of social media, Facebook advertising, things like that. And I kind of cut my teeth in that industry. And I ended up starting a coaching and consulting division for him And that's actually how I met Jack as he was actually one of my clients. And like Jack said, we had a a really, really great relationship. But after a uh, previously failed flipping business, which I had mentioned, he started telling me a lot of the stuff that he had been doing in Indianapolis, even though I had kind of almost sworn off real estate investing because of some pretty bad hits in the past. I was really, really intrigued by this turnkey model. And started thinking, okay, in terms of what I had been doing with consultive selling and what I had come to learn about marketing and psychology and things like that it 's like yeah there's there's definitely something here, so uh, that that was kind of the seeds of of how we got going and uh And it's been great. I mean, you know, I I know we're not going to talk about it, but we clearly have different strengths and weaknesses, but feed off each other very well.
1: I love it. I love it. And before we get into the main potato, Shecky, I want you to talk about Or I want you to allude to the fact and and give advice to some listeners who maybe have taken a dive into real estate investing, maybe before, you know, 2007, 2008, and they have that similar bad taste in their mouth. They've been crunched a few times and, you know, they're like, they're those spokesperson, spokespeople out there that are saying real estate is terrible, real estate is bad, don't put your money in real estate, this is one of the worst asset classes. I mean, they've had similar situations to you but you found your way back in this industry. You found your way back in this realm, Give these, you know, so maybe talk about why and how, and what you see in real estate now that maybe you didn't see back then or what you're changing about the the model that you're using. Cause back then you were doing fixing and flipping. Now you guys are doing turnkey. I know that's a completely different model, but real estate in general, when people take hits, especially as their first investment or their second investment, a lot of them feel as though, well, this is not for me or this is not a good vehicle, or, you know, there's so many naysayers out there. So I want you to talk to these naysayers and kind of give them your experiences now that you're back in the, now that you're back in this field.
2: Well, you bring up a great point in that it's easy for us to swear off stuff because of bad experiences. And, you know, my bad experiences ended up in the hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of lessons and completely broke and destitute beyond broke. And so, I don't think there's anybody that had more of a a negative experience with that stuff. I don't think if somebody is a realistic, open-minded person that they can automatically just throw off and say, this is not an asset class worth considering. I mean, it's it's silly to think that. I can see how you might want to go in that direction. And that's what we as humans do. We just kind of tend to write things off. But I had a lot of really, as I mentioned, a lot of really great mentors and people that I respected a lot in the community in Austin. And one guy said to me, just just great analogy, he says, look, if you go to a restaurant and you have just a really crappy meal, like the food's terrible, the service is terrible, does that mean you're never going out to eat again? Like." No, of course not. It just means you had a bad experience. So the, you know, the smart entrepreneurs are going great. If I, in my case, many hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of lessons, if I had to spend that much for that lesson, what can I pull from that? What can I learn from that? And there's some things that we do now and the way we structure things now that there's no way that I even knew about that stuff back then. And would never and as a result of that learning curve would never do them that way again and it just made me that much smarter so i came to the table with that partnership with jack with a certain not just a new skill set from a standpoint of digital marketing but a different attitude a different you know set of experiences a, a layer of wisdom that i did not have previously and that's not to say that i'm the smartest guy on in the world But at least I had some good mentors that would help me to see to kind of keep my eyes open because, you know, there's nothing worse than a closed mind. I mean, uh, an entrepreneur with a closed mind is not going to make it very far. So I've always remembered that restaurant analogy and it served me very well.
1: I love it. I love it. And I kind of I kind of have a love hate relationship for these types of podcast interviews. And let me tell you guys why you guys are so experienced. You guys have so much value to offer. I mean, we can talk about so much and I'm the type of person I want to cover everything and give the listeners so much value right now, because I mean, we could talk about digital marketing, especially for real estate. We can talk about the value of mentorship. We could talk about partnerships and how to structure partnerships and how to make sure you're in a formidable partnership. We could talk about turnkey rentals. I mean, you guys' experience is vast in the world. And this is something I haven't even touched on yet because I think this is a very fascinating subject matter. But let's just say that when it comes to just even mentioning network marketing, people are like, oh, no, no way. That's terrible. That's a scam. That's this, that's that. Sure. Let's debunk that myth today for the listeners because many prominent people they talk about sales, they talk about network marketing. How that's one of the best way to get started. But you also have the majority of the people out there saying that network marketing is terrible. It's bad. It's not. A, it's not a good thing to get into. Don't fall for the scams. Don't sell cut coat knives. Don't do this. Don't go. Don't go to Organo gold and whatever it is. Let's talk about the value <laughs> of network marketing and why you guys think <laughs> it's so important.
3: <laughs> well, you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, there is a Certain, It is a very controversial industry. I think I really see the tide has turned though over the last decade in terms of, you know, the um, perception of, of multi-level marketing. When I first got started, you know, 21 years ago, I heard the, you know, the pyramid word every single day. Isn't that one of those pyramids? You know, that sort of thing. And I honestly, and it could be the fact that, you know, we are so successful now that people don't They don't want to go there with me because like all I can do, I can just drive my car up on their lawn, you know, and like get revenge. (laughs) So I, you know, show them the pictures of all that we've been able to do with it. I don't know, but I don't get that quite near. I mean, not nearly as much. And I do think honestly, like just generationally, it's more so with the kind of like the 60, late fifties age group, sixties and up. That have more of the negative connotation. I really feel like the, the the millennials are much, much more open to it and view it as a generally as a as a positive thing, so as a positive business. But I think, you know, there's a couple points to really make. Number one is there's really not a better business model for the average person that doesn't have much startup capital to be able to just you know use a lot of their energy and their uh, time and their effort and just work hard and that they can really grow a long-term sustainable business. So the other part to it is that it creates so much opportunity for skills, lifelong skills, that if they do decide to exit MLM, that they will have a vast like degree of skill sets that they're gonna be able to apply to create success in other, you know, opportunities and the amount of personal development that you can um, that you're exposed to when you're in a multi-level marketing company. I mean, you get that value right there is worth way more than the amount of money that you're going to make because that is life skills. That's just becoming better at life, and that's most MLM companies. Personal development is very intertwined and part of the training curriculums. So, I think that. You know, the, where the, a lot of the negativity comes from, you know, is just some of the deceptive practices that were used, you know, back in the, you know, the early days and also the fact that there are, you know, there's companies still today that there's really not so much a, a product of value that's being sold, you know, it's just a, the illusion of a product. But when you have a company with a viable product or a viable service that is that creates a value in the marketplace, then it's the most powerful way to distribute that when you have, you know, person-to-person distribution and that education of the product from, you know, that person-to-person interaction, that is, that's huge. So there's a lot of companies that uh, would just absolutely love to have a A product go through the multi-level marketing distribution chain just because of the cost and the uh, effectiveness of it. And Shecky, I see you want to add in.
2: Well, I just want to, I agree with everything you said, and I want to put an asterisk on it and say, you know, partially because of my perspective of digital marketing, the internet has very much leveled the playing field for a lot of people. And this is probably why people younger than late 50s are more embracing of this concept, because We're also connected on the internet and it's just so much easier to disseminate information and train people and network with people now than, you know, in the days when I was jumping up and down on the tables in Starbucks trying to tell somebody how amazing my opportunity was, you know, so it's, it's just a whole different ballgame and there's, there's so much more we understand and so many more nuances to marketing now, and just to getting information out that it's a, it's a much more attractive thing. I mean, you know, there's no question that it could easily be said to the same thing about real estate. I mean, let's face it, there's tons of suppliers out there with deceptive practices. There's probably just as many dead bodies in the world of real estate investing as there are in the network marketing industry. I mean, and ironically... Those two represent the highest percentage of people that have become millionaires around the world are in those two industries. Yeah. So So we happen to be talking about the top two. So obviously, there's a correlation there, right, Duray? I mean, it's you got all these dead bodies, but yet you have all this success. So you know what does that mean? That means well, okay, it may not necessarily be super easy there may be ways, there may be reasons that there's so many dead bodies is because the barrier to entry is fairly low. And there are certain ways to do real estate too, where, you know, some of these wholesale courses that they teach you with, you know, flipping properties and using other people's money and that kind of stuff that you can also lower the barrier to entry to real estate investing. But anytime you have a situation with a low barrier that's going to create a lot of attrition. There's going to allow people that quote-unquote try it rather than actually do it and commit to it. And, you know, look, even even with all of the uh, the wisdom and experience that, that Jack and I have, we're still honestly complete idiots in a lot of ways. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, dude, we've done some really, really, really Stupid shit. Pardon my French, and and it's been and it's, and fairly recently, like since we started this this partnership. But but the difference is, is we recognize when we make a mistake, we correct. We continue to go. We continue to believe in what we're building. We continue to believe in what we can do for our customer base and our investors, and we just keep pushing. And it's you know any investor or any entrepreneur that ever rests for one moment in the area of thinking that they don't have to keep improving what they do, they're going to die. Their business is going to die. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, it's an extremely competitive environment. You know, we live in a world where there's sometimes forced transparency by being online. You know, you look at somebody wrong and they post something on the internet about what a horrible businessman you are. You know, I mean, stuff like that happens all the time. And so you have to really be looking for ways all the time to constantly improve. Look at like, okay, we had a good day, we did well, we made a bunch of sales, yeah, we did everything right. Okay, but what did we do wrong? Even though we won, maybe we made a sale, what did we do wrong? How can we do it better tomorrow? Even if that's, and there's a lot of great business books and stuff out there now that just talk about, hey, how can you set up your day in your business where you're just making small increments just improve by 1% every day. doesn't sound like much, but compounded over time, just the the impact of that is gargantuan.
1: I love that so much. And wise words from a wise And You know, it's, it's one of those things to where the more, at least what I've seen and what I've experienced, the more you learn, the more you know, the more you realize, the less, you know, <laughs> and, yeah. and it's one of those things where it's really profound. And Jack, I have a question for you. Speaking of network marketing and you know, not only investing your money, but investing your time and, and energy in a lot of the things that you do. What has been maybe one of the best or maybe most worthwhile investments that you've ever made? And it doesn't have to be an investment in real estate or an investment in with money, but maybe an investment of energy or an investment of time. What has been the
3: most worthwhile for you? The most worthwhile is, um, you know, anytime that I invest into myself, uh, that seems to give me the highest return. I mean, a 10x type return. So though I look back, you know, over the years when you know, starting in the early days of, you know, first three years doing, you know, my network marketing business while going to college, right? All the other college kids, you know, on a Saturday, were, you know, we're doing whatever they whatever they were doing, right? <laughs> it was college kids. And that was in a seminar all day long, taking notes, learning new sales skills, and improving myself, personally developing, networking, learning business. And I look back on that and just, man, I just want to go back in time and say to you know that young kid, like, thank you. Thank you for doing something and daring to be different. And going against the grain, because a lot of the kids made fun of me for sure. And I mean, I got teased quite a bit for what I was doing. And I just think back like, wow, like that, that early, those early years of just investing into myself, the time and energy to, to get trained and, and create new skills, I'm getting a hundred X timers return on that. You know, I've got a business where, you know, realistically, like, I don't have to work it ever again. I mean, it's on autopilot. It's it's just an incredible residual income. And it's because of what I did, you know, 20 years ago, investing into myself. So that's, to me, is, has been the biggest and, you know, by far the most impactful is, is just going to those seminars, you know, not just the MLM seminars, you know, going to Tony Robbins, going to James Ray, you know, his Power to Win um, program. I mean, those those types of Landmark education like anytime those those type of seminars books podcasts. That's that's who's created You know the entrepreneur that I am today
1: I love that love that so much so much value guys And this is this has been an amazing podcast interview so far and we haven't even gotten to the meat and potatoes yet Which is turkey rentals. What are turnkey rentals? Why are you guys so fascinated by turkey rentals? And how can some of the listeners partake in this fascinating business model?
3: Well, I got really interested in turnkey when I first started looking into real estate investing because at the time, I mean, I was very heavily involved in my nutrition companies, you know, and I still am, I just not, not uh, obviously the same amount of hours and, and effort put into it, you know, with this, with high return real estate going. But at that time, you know, I've got two small children, I've got this, you know, nutrition company going Busy guy. Lot you know, lots of lots of things going on. And I wanted something to where I could just buy it and and get involved in real estate but not have to do the heavy lifting, like not have to go out and do the acquisitions, not have to try to figure out how to rehab the property, not have to figure out how to put tenants in place, not have to figure out how to, you know, get the tenants to perform or, you know, when tenants leave, you know, replacing them and all of that stuff that goes into getting a rental property to perform. I mean, there's a lot of work that has to make go into it to make it happen, and so with turnkey, you know the uh, the advantage of it is, hey, look, you're you buy this property, and this is all the heavy lifting is done for you. Now, it's not ever to say, and I think it's naive for any of us as investors to think that it's just going to be completely smooth sailing. There's never going to be any problems, and your rent is just going to just show up every single month on the first or whatever of the month and never gonna be any repair issues to solve. You know, come on, we all own property, so we all have to realize, well not just say all of us, but we all live in a place where we know <laughs> that there's gonna be repairs, there's gonna be maintenance, there's gonna be problems, there's gonna be things that, that go wrong. It's just part of the ex- real estate experience, right? So, but when you have a company that can take care of the majority of those issues and insulate you from that, that was extremely appealing to me. So I started buying Turnkey and then I started referring a lot of people to Turnkey that were already, you know, trusted me. They realized that I was working well for me. I was excited about the returns I was getting, the experience I was having. So I, you know, a lot of my friends' family, coworkers started buying up property and that's when I really realized wow, there is a huge huge market for turnkey. Like it's it's well beyond what I could even have originally, you know, kind of imagined. So in order to, you know, to really to reach this huge amount of other investors that that I wasn't even all the people that I didn't know right which is a huge amount of people compared to those people that that I did know we needed to have you know some professional systems and marketing in place and so that's where you know we uh, that's where like i said shecky came in and has really helped us create the email marketing campaigns i mean every email that goes out it's you know it's shecky language there's she's just so good at that a lot of the uh, the website stuff, although we did, I, I met a couple guys at a Tony Robbins event and they designed our website and helped with that, but Shecky's certainly put a lot of his expertise in and behind the systems and everything behind the website. So it's just been this, you know, incredible partnership between the two of us that my business experience over the last 20 years of marketing and networking and, you know, being able to raise capital. To help us with acquisitions and then Shecky's ability and the marketing side is, it's just been, it's really, really fantastic as far as the uh, different skills and abilities that we bring to the table. So turnkey is really, it's where you're buying a property to sum it all up. You're buying a property where it's all the heavy lifting has been done for you and you're buying a, a cash flow producing asset and that's managed for you. And that is, uh, you know, that's just taken care of for you on your behalf. So, yes, does the turnkey company get to capture, you know, more of the equity out of the property? Of course, they're doing all that heavy lifting that you know they have to. I mean, that's the way that you know that you know that's the way we make make our money. Really, is on the sale of the property. The management side is just a service to the investor. That's really not a profitable side of the business so that's the value that we bring to the table and um the value that we bring is 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 huge so i don't know shaky i know you probably want to add a few things to what i just said but
2: yeah i don't know that was yeah. pretty damn good dude
3: <laughs> cool. i was gonna say
1: that i was gonna say that, that, was, that was an amazing wrap up. Right. i have a follow-up question when it comes to turnkey for both of you guys but i have a really selfish question with you guys and again uh, listeners this is the reason why i prompt a lot of you guys to have thought leadership platforms and blogs and, and have local meetups and podcasts because you're able to not only give so much value to everybody out there, but I mean, selfishly, I'm going to ask the question now. And my question to you guys is, I feel like I could have a whole conversation with Shecky when it comes to digital marketing, when it comes to um, copy, when it comes to funnels, when it comes to all of that. But on the on the flip side of things, I feel like I can have a conversation just as much with you when it comes to turnkey rentals, when it comes to business models, when it comes to real estate, when it comes to analyzing deals. So I feel like I have the best of both worlds. But when I look to the future and try to grow and expand, I'm just like, man, like if I were to ever go into a partnership, and again, listeners, this is something that you guys can take away from this conversation. But if I were to ever go into a partnership, how would I know what side of things I want to be on? Let's say I want to split my company just the way you guys have done. How would I know what side of things I want to be on?
2: So I think there's bigger considerations, Duray. And you know, you know from your coaching practice that everybody comes to the table with a certain energy. I mean there's there's two sides, right? So one is the skill set and one is the energy that they bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And you know, coming from a standpoint where I once in a previous business in my flipping business had a very, very crooked partner and did not pick someone, a you know, decent skill set, but the wrong energy and it proved to be extremely costly so you know one of the things that jack mentioned and not to toot my own horn but just to, by way of example is when he talked about how we connected you know, we had a certain we only had a phone relationship but we had a certain respect for each other we, we had a very very clear understanding from having worked together in a coaching relationship what our work ethic was like what our philosophies on life were like That's a much higher level than skill set When it comes to skill set, then you just want to analyze that stuff. Like I, it was very clear that we were a good fit because I was kind of more on the marketing and I was really geeky about the psychology side of things. And I had been involved in other businesses. So I, you know, as far as operations and, you know, just building out systems and things like that, I had a, I had a lot of experience in that regard. So it was a lot of the stuff that, you know, Jack didn't really want to do. And so, you know, it was naturally a good fit. So I think for anybody that's going out and looking for a partnership or looking to expand is one is you don't necessarily have to have a partner because now we're in this day where you just have incredible ability to outsource. I mean, you know, there's, there's virtual assistants and there's, you know, people that spe- are specific to just doing one kind of Facebook advertising and that's all they do. And so we're, we're getting into this era of just incredible specialization. So you can certainly hire that out. You don't necessarily have to partner with somebody to do that. But if you are looking for a partner, like I admittedly, I was, I didn't want to work alone. I wanted to work with somebody else and feed off somebody else's energy. Those were really my two biggest considerations. Like, is it somebody that on a higher level... I get them, they get me, we have good energy, we trust each other, you know, we have similar outlooks, philosophies on life, similar work ethics, things like that. And then, and only then, once that is, once I've satisfied myself on that higher level, does this person indeed bring to the table the skill sets that either A, I don't have, or B, I don't want to mess with.
1: Guys, I just want to make sure that you guys uh, please send me my invoice, send me my bill for this brief coaching session because that was was amazing. (laughs) So let's get back to turnkey rentals because I got a lot of value from that. But let's get back to turnkey rentals. So I want to talk about what you guys, you know, what you guys specialize in and talk about maybe how the listeners can take advantage of that. Because, again, I know that there are turnkey operators. There are turnkey providers. There's so many different levels when it comes to jumping into turnkey or finding somebody to help you get into turnkey. I want to know what level you guys are at and how you guys guys help, I guess, the the general public get into turnkey
2: investments. So, yeah, let me just throw a couple things out here. And this just comes from learning things the hard way. So as we evolved, as Jack alluded to, we were really just kind of a, a sales arm for another turnkey company. And so we were marketing, right? I mean, that's what marketers do. And we very, very quickly started finding out that we could not rely on those people. And interestingly, you can define turnkey as Jack so eloquently did, but it does not necessarily mean that you are dealing with a truly turnkey company. And here's what I mean. There are many turnkey companies out there that work in a number of different markets and they have quote unquote providers in those markets. They have some boots on the ground that are, you know, finding them properties and maybe organizing the rehabs and farming out the property management to some local team that's there, okay? And then, so in essence, you're kind of buying from a marketing company or from an education company. There are other ones that just are, you know, like what we used to do, which was just be, a, you know, pure sales arm for somebody else behind the scenes. I can tell you from our experience, In every case, anytime we tried to circumvent or not control all of the entire process, everything fell apart and everything began to suck and (laughs) suck hard, okay? And only because we could not control quality, we could not control processes, we could not help investors to truly control returns of what investors were getting. So we took it upon ourselves to say, We are going to do, even though it's a gajillion moving parts, we are going to do everything for our investors. We are going to go out and source the property. We're going to acquire it. We're going to vet it, make sure it fits within our model. We're then going to buy it we're then going to rehab it we're then going to rehab it to certain extent certain standards we're then going to have a third-party inspector come in and check our work and be transparent and reveal that to the investor and if there are any items we're going to cure things on that inspection we are then going to also control the property management with our own teams and so that we can control because obviously let's face it anybody can buy a property but can you manage it nicely for ten or twenty years and keep it performing right and so and that becomes especially true when you get into the maybe not so pretty property classes It's definitely more effort to manage those properties so in in our game, selling is somewhat easy, but creating a good experience a good long term for the investor is not always that easy mm-hmm. and so I think the, the first question that any would be investor should be asking of anybody that they're going to do business with from a turnkey standpoint is who's doing what in your system do you are you guys buying your own properties are you rehabbing them yourselves are you managing them yourselves or are you just a sales arm or are you just you know networking with others are you just having other people refer stuff into you or whatever because i can tell you there's nothing wrong with that model from a standpoint of a of a model itself but it's just not nearly as efficient and it never brings as good of a customer experience as if the turnkey provider is doing everything for you there are really maybe a precious i don't know what would you say maybe jack 8 or 10 really solid turnkey companies in the country that actually do all the processes themselves and have mm-hmm. that dialed in. Yeah. And so there, there's a lot of other people that are quote unquote, appear successful, but unfortunately the customer end and the end product always ends up suffering. And Jack and I are both guys that are you know really big on reputation and really big on delivering value. And even though this was not what we intended when we started our company 20 or two years ago, We just made some very, very difficult decisions uh, shortly into our venture that said, hey, you know what, if we're going to do this, you know, it's like the old saying, go big or go home. Yeah, you covered it great, Shecky. And, you know, when we
3: and Shecky pretty much nailed this is that we really didn't want to do anything but just, (laughs) (laughs) we, this is what we're both good at like he's a digital marketer. I've been in, you know, marketing for the last 20 years. I mean, we're both great marketers and great at sales. And that is where we wanted to stay in that lane only. We didn't want to do acquisitions and and get involved in rehabs and get involved in the management side of things. But in order to provide a great return on investment for our investors and control the quality and control the experience, you know, if we want to be able to sell like we want to with the, uh, you know, the feeling that we're actually doing our investors a really good you know service that we said, okay, we're going to have to take over control of the entire process, even though we'd much rather just be focused on the marketing side. So that's where we're at today. And so, yeah, we're constantly evolving our company and just trying to keep getting better for our investor base because at the end of the day that's who you know that's who our bosses are that's who we answer to is the investor and they we've you know we've got to provide them a good return on investment that's the product that we're selling they're really not buying a house they're not buying a duplex from us they're buying the ROI percentage number on our cash flow sheet you know we're very conscious of that and we understand that that's that's what we have to help deliver to them when we do that then we are so blessed because they buy more properties they start referring us to other people in their networks and then those people start referring to us to other people but when they don't if that if they don't and and with our uh, first company that we partnered with when they didn't have that great experience that shut down all of that repeat business those referrals everything got shut down so we know that in order to really make our jobs easier and our business to flourish, we control it all.
1: You know, I interview lots of real estate entrepreneurs, and more specifically, I mentioned that I interview quite a few turnkey managers and operators. And it's one of those things where I haven't talked to anybody with the insight that you guys have with the again it may be just be you guys' personality, but it's so and you might you guys might get this a lot, but it's so easy to trust you guys. It's so easy to be like, yeah, like you guys really know what you're talking about. You guys are really putting the investors' interest at at, at hand and it's one of those things where you can just hear it. You can tell and I love that. So talking about turnkey rentals, I mean, what states do you guys operate in and do you guys only provide single family homes?
3: Right now we're we are just in Indianapolis we are, I mean, the we have plenty of, there's plenty of inventory there that, and the, and the city is gentrifying and it's just an incredible price to rent ratio for our investors that it's one of the, you know, it's one of the top five cities in the U.S. as far as, you know, return on investment, turnkey rentals. We are going to expand. And in fact, we were talking about that today. We're going to go into Fort Wayne. We're going to go to Tampa, Jacksonville. So we are going to, to get into other cities but we want to do that responsibly. We could do that right now. We could actually start selling property in those other areas, but we really want to make sure that we have everything 100% dialed in and that we are expanding very responsibly so that our investors are going to be served when we do open up those other markets. And one thing I want to make sure we add in is you know might have missed as far as turnkey goes we our biggest mistake in our business so far has been selling properties before that they were actually completely done and fully rehabbed so that's cost us quite a bit of of money not only money in terms of not being able to forecast rehab projects uh, very well so we ended up going you know well over budget and and so the property's already been sold. So now you end up, you know, not making any money or even losing money on the deal. And we just said, okay, enough is enough. This is causing too much stress on our company. We're just going to only sell properties truly turnkey. Like they are re- fully rehabbed, inspected by a third-party company. We send our contractors back out to curate any items that come up on the inspection report because there always will be if your inspectors, you know, doing their job. And then, then, and only then once they've signed off that everything's been taken care of on the inspection report, then we'll sell the property to the investor. And that has created so much better systems for us. It creates so much better transparency to the investor, so much better of an experience for them that we are like, why didn't we do this months ago? But you know, that's the part of of evolving as an entrepreneur is that you're gonna learn uh, sometimes things the hard way through. Just hey, this just isn't working. We've got to make changes in this area, and that's the evolution of a of any type of entrepreneurs. That you're just going to keep constantly having to focus on getting better, continual improvement.
1: Love it, love it, love it. And so it's Indianapolis and single family homes, correct?
2: It's mostly singles. I, I would say we probably sell eighty percent single family homes and about twenty percent duplexes. Uh, Indianapolis in general seems to have a higher percentage of duplexes than most major cities so it's it's not an uncommon item here so uh, you know there's there's plenty of opportunities there as well
1: nice 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 I love the fact that you guys are have that kind of for into small multis because um, a lot of people look for that and it's very hard to find that in turnkey so I love that so much this is what we're gonna do for to kind of wrap up this segment I'm gonna ask each of you guys one specific question and I'm going to have you guys take it away and then we'll kind of wrap up and head to the next segment. But for you, Jack, I want to ask you, oh no, this is actually, yeah, this is actually going to be for you, Jack. When you're overwhelmed or maybe when you're unfocused and you, you've probably, you know, got off track temporarily, what do you do? You no, know, how do you get yourself back in alignment? Or maybe what questions do you ask yourself?
3: <laughs> well, I think the most important thing for me is just like step away from the business, like take some time and and go off and you know maybe play some golf or play with my kids or just totally like remember that you know the reason that i'm doing the business in the first place is for the lifestyle you know with my family and so i think the most important thing is just you know you gotta just you get so wrapped up in it. And, and like you said, the overwhelm can be very overwhelming that you just got to like, go do something else that's going to take your mind off it. So you can kind of recharge, refresh and come back with a, a totally new perspective. So, you know, I love to uh, hang out with my, my boys are eight and 10. So now they're very interactive with me. We have just a, a blast, lots of laughs together. So we go off and, you know, play some golf or go, you know, play catch in the, in the backyard or go swim in or whatever, you know, there's some myriad of things, go catch a, you know, a movie together, you know, something like that to where it can just totally like get me refocused again. Love it. Love it. That's beautiful. And
1: Jack, I'm getting ready to ask Shecky a very, very hard question. Maybe, maybe not, but we're going to test Shecky's copy skills. So, <laughs> so Shecky, <laughs> here's oh, you. <laughs> if you could have a gigantic billboard, anywhere in the world with anything going metaphorically speaking getting your message to millions or billions of people what would it say and why
3: well
2: that's (laughs) he's good but he needs a little time you know to come up with it (laughs) i guess what if i forget about the copywriting piece for a moment and you're just asking about the personal message that for me and i've you know obviously been a capitalist my whole life and admittedly i'm not very political i think it's I think the right and the left in this country are are both messed up but it's all about your own person right in other words we the billboard would say you vote with your dollars so everything that you spend money on everything that you support affects you personally and affects the entire world around you for example i'm fairly big into natural health and from what i know buying a typical conventional piece of produce off the shelf or, or a piece of meat that's uh, harvested in the normal confined animal feeding operations that are going on in this country, you are essentially not only poisoning yourself, but you are also promoting businesses that hide the real truth and are completely inhumane to animals and also promote that poison to the rest of humanity just with that $1 spent. So, you know, I know Jack and I both talk a lot about personal development. And one of the concepts that we've always, you know, promoted is, you know, take total responsibility for yourself. And I don't think people do enough of that when it comes to every little dollar that they spend. So, you know, if you think about what you spend money on in a given day or in a given week, and look at what you're spending money on and think about that next layer and go, how does it affect me? And what kind of message... Am I sending to the marketplace? Because every time I spend money on something, I'm creating more demand for that product or service. You know, we all think we got to go, you know, scream and yell, uh, you know, up on the hill in Washington, D.C. And that really doesn't do much because most of those people are very corrupt. The way that we're going to win this war is through our own responsibility.
1: Boom, boom. And Jack, just in case you didn't know,
3: he is that good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, guys, I yeah, just wanted to give amazing...
3: him a little bit of an out in case he uh, froze up.
1: <laughs> I love it. Well, guys, again, this has been an amazing interview. We've gotten so much value from you guys and it's been simply amazing. Lifestyle Design Acceleration Hacks. Shaggy, so, what is your favorite Before the Millions book?
2: My favorite Before the Millions book is called The One Thing by Gary Keller and I think Jay Papasan because it Jack spoke earlier about overwhelm and it's just a way we're crappy multitaskers as human beings. And as entrepreneurs, we have a gajillion things on our plate. And that book really helped me to identify what is the one thing I should be working on right now. What's the most important thing on my plate and just ignore everything else till I get this done. Um, Jack, what is yours?
3: You know, I hate to be the guy that just kind of does the, uh, one that so many people do, but it's definitely, you know, given me a lot of the thought process that, that I use today to build a business both in network marketing and real estate. It's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and then almost kind of look at it as like a two part book with the second one, Cash Flow Quadrant. Those two books just, I mean, wow, they're just told in story form. You know, so that so anybody can devour those books in just a very short period of time because they're so engaging it's a lessons told through stories. And that's that's how we as human beings learn most effectively is when we're, you know, we're learning through stories. So I just feel so passionate about those books because i wouldn't be doing what i'm doing today if it hadn't been for those you know for that, that education love it yeah and listeners as you guys know these are probably
1: the three top most recommended books on the show which said for that the original rich dad for that Cashflow Quadrant, The One Thing by Gary Keller. And if you guys wanna listen to these books via Audible, which is the audio way of listening to books these days, you guys can visit beforethemarrayins.com slash book, and you guys can listen to two free audio books for free. So again, I love those recommendations. So question number two, and this is for both of you guys again, and we'll start with Jack this time. What is your favorite lifestyle design app? This can be a business app or tool.
3: You know, Shecky sarcastically calls me the tech god. <laughs> <laughs> and it's heavily laced with sarcasm because in this partnership I am not the tech god or even remotely cl- close so I man I don't even know if I, I don't have what I think um, probably Sonos it's an app that I can uh, play on my phone where I can play uh, music all throughout the house and <laughs> out by the pool So that's my oh, lifestyle right. my oh, lifestyle really? design app <laughs> I love it. I mean, that's
1: coming from a a little bit of a different angle, but I love it. I mean, that definitely incorporates lifestyle design, so that's that's definitely a great, great recommendation. And Shecky, what about you?
2: Um, This is going to be a really boring answer. Before I answer, I want to compliment Jack on, by the way, his improved tech skills, because he's really come a long way since I've known him. It's (laughs) quite impressive.
3: Very incremental improvements. (laughs) But
2: still impressive nonetheless. 1% every day. That's all you got to do. That's right. as, as corny as this sounds, I could not live without Google. I feel like Google, even though people might say it's biased and, and it probably is, being able to have information about anything at your fingertips in 10 seconds or less is the most amazing thing ever, ever. You know, it's like I probably Google 20 different things in a day. And you know, how to do this, how to do that, or just even see, you know, other insights on the way other people are doing something similar to the way we're doing, or what your competitors are up to, or like how did we live without Google? Like I, I just but so for me that's so far ahead of number one it's like so far ahead of anything else it's not even not even a comparison for sure
1: i mean and you guys i mean i think about the the kids of these days i mean i'm millennial but i think about you know even the people after us like it's almost like they look at even things like i mean google maps like like just, just like having to go inside of a gas station and buying a map because you're in the middle i mean just having even internet i mean it's beautiful it's beautiful guys yeah. <laughs> so let's move on to the next question and this is just going to be for lifestyle design. Let's have this one just for Shecky. So Shecky, Mm -hmm. what do you enjoy most about the way your lifestyle is currently designed?
2: I agree with Jack philosophically, like I'm psychologically unemployable. Like there's really be very difficult for me to go to work for somebody else right now because I've had too many years of working and creating my own stuff. It doesn't mean that I can't work with others, but I just need to be able to have a say and be a driver of what's being created. And that really fuels me a lot. And also just, you know, the flexibility. I mean, look, we're building a, a big national brand. So Jack and I both work very hard and, you know, put plenty of hours in. but. You know, like Jack was saying, if, you know, if I get overwhelmed and I tell Jack, hey, look, I'm checking out for an afternoon, I'm going to go take a hike and go do some yoga.
1: You're like, all right,
2: fine. You know, because it's that's the beauty of having your own businesses as long well, as long as you've got coverage and have figured that out, you can create that flexibility. So these are the things that I like is that, you know, we're basically paid on the the value that, that we bring to the world. And that to me is a really, really very exciting equation because we know we're continuing to bring more and more value. And as a result, there's an opportunity for us to do really, really well financially And when you do really well financially, there's also a whole lot of other better things you can do back out in the world too. There's charities you can give to, there's experiences you can create for yourself and for your family that are just not reachable if you have... A typical day job. So I just get jazzed by all that stuff.
1: Love it, love it, love it. So Jack, what were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today?
3: I think uh, the biggest sacrifice is, you know, as an entrepreneur, there's three stages. Stage one is where you're putting in 10 units of work and you're getting one unit of pay and then stage two is 10 units of work 10 units of pay and then stage three is if you're able to get there and you know not a lot really are you know to be honest right i mean we all know the stats but the dream is you know 10 units of work or 100 units of pay or one unit of work a thousand units of pay right so the first stage is is just so challenging because you're putting in so much time energy and effort and you're not really getting paid uh, for what you're doing and it's just you have to move forward on faith and belief and just the confidence that it's going to all work out that the universe will provide and that you know you'll have eventually arrive with abundance and that uh so those early stages very very challenging and then you know there's also the part where you get into the business and and it's it's going really well and you start to maybe get a little bit too much pride or ego and then you make some mistakes and then boom your business drops you have a lot of uh you know challenges trying to get it you know back to where it was and i've you know gone through both of those in both companies and it's very difficult and that's where you're you know that's where you really find out what kind of man or woman you really are i think it's like how do you handle that adversity when it hits and how do you respond to that so it's just, it's never, it's not an easy life choosing to be an entrepreneur. And if anybody ever tells you that it is great for them, but uh, (laughs) they they haven't gone through that other, you know, those tests yet that you caught them early on where everything just worked out well and, you know, went on a, on a vertical growth curve. But I think for those that are are in the the trenches and they're in the game. I mean, just keep going back guys to that vision that you've created of in your mind. You got to keep running that mental movie of putting yourself in that position of what it's going to feel like and what it's going to look like, uh, you know, when you are, hitting that spot where you're getting the, you know, 10 units or 100 units of pay for the one or two units of work. What's that going to look like? And keep playing that over and over again, because that's the law of attraction is going to work in your favor and pull you towards it. So, so, so very true. So very true, guys. And I love that negative. Shaky, who was
1: essential to your growth before the millions and why? Excluding Jack.
2: Benjamin Franklin
1: (laughs) I love it let's expand
2: well I never met the man because I'm I know I'm old but I'm not that old (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I know know Jack gives me a lot of shit about that uh, um, every uh, opportunity yeah you took away uh, my
3: jab right there thanks
2: (laughs) uh, this is a man who was just like if you've ever read his autobiography, he's just so far ahead of his time. He wasn't looking at convention. He was looking at ways to do things differently. And I mean, this guy was like an amazing businessman, an investor, an inventor, a scientist. I mean, like he he, he didn't live by the confines and obviously a great politician too, but he didn't live by, by the confines of what society was dictating and he was a man that just would always look for ways to do personal development and to better himself and to be you know this guy was learning till the very last breath and when you study all that stuff like to me that guy was just an incredible inspiration and especially from a standpoint of philosophies of entrepreneurialism so you know anytime i think about like you know okay what would ben franklin do like that would be amazing. So, you know, everybody, anybody want a, a decent autobiography to read, read Ben Franklin's autobiography. It's, it's very, very revealing about what an unusual man and what a great attitude he had.
1: And that was my follow-up question. Do you have a recommended autobiography on him that you would want to recommend to the listeners or myself?
2: You know, I don't remember. It's been a few years since I've read it, maybe a couple years. I bought sort of, I know there's one big, huge, fat one that's like a thousand pages. I didn't read that one because I wasn't sure I would have the patience for it. But the one that I bought was kind of more of the paperback, probably 250, 300 pages. I honestly could not tell you the author, but it, you know, just understanding, you know, how he came up the ranks and how hard he worked and just the insights into way he was able to replicate and grow his business. It's almost like the seeds of a, of a network marketing concept in a way. So it, it's really pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely going to check that out. I think that, you know, again, going back to the law of attraction, you're probably the third person in the past two weeks that kind of have have brought him to life. I and the listeners should uh, should take heed and follow that advice. I love that. Last but not least, and this question is going to be for both of you guys, and whoever wants to attack it first, you can. But this is the very last question. Why do you think so many of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention of getting to the millions?
2: I can tell you my opinion, I think we're all victims of marketing and advertising. We all live in this instant, you know, success world. Everything is now, 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 get it now, instant gratification. And most entrepreneurs go into their business thinking it's going to be easy. And Jack alluded to it. It's like, I don't know of any entrepreneurial journey that's really easy. So I'm sorry for not painting such a rosy picture, whatever, sometimes sometimes reality is a little bit better than just being Pollyanna and looking at things through rose-colored glasses. But what if you just came to expect that there was gonna be a lot of crap? And what if you came to expect that you were going to get knocked down and you just have to keep getting up and you're going to get knocked down? Well, what if you expected that rather than going like, oh my God, can you believe this is happening again? But well, it's just like, hey, it's just part of the norm and that you know you're going to have challenges to overcome every single day. There's a lot of people, an old saying that, you know, there's plenty of room at the top, right? Well, the reason that there's so much room at the top is because the climb getting there is difficult mm. and there's a lot of dead bodies along the way and there's a lot of people that really can't hack it. So you want to be a solid entrepreneur? Just figure out how to hack it. Just figure out how to say, you know, there's going to be crap. There's going to be big mistakes. There's going to be small mistakes. There's going to be challenges, 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 the ones who come out victorious and like Jack said you know work once get paid a hundred times over the people that get into that position honestly have just kept their wits about them kept their cool and just kept moving through all those challenges without throwing their hands up in despair.
1: Love it, love it, love it. And Jack, go ahead and close us out for the evening. And you may want the question repeated, but I think you may have a handle on this, just let me know.
3: And I definitely agree with Shecky. I think a lot of what it comes down to is just simply personal development. You can only grow an income to the degree that your mental capacity is going to allow you to grow that income to. Right. So a lot of people have, you know, limited beliefs that revolve around money and wealth. I mean, you know, it's, very prevalent with the marketing and and stuff that Shecky talked about. So we go to, you know, look at the top 10 movies of all time. I think seven or eight out of the 10 have a evil, wealthy villain. You know, and so like we start to subconsciously believe that having money is you know is evil and that's where you know they're pandering to that limited belief so when you have these types of you know beliefs around money around success around you know growing a business thinking that it's gonna be a lot easier than it is as Shecky said then that's really gonna make it uh, pretty difficult to um, you know become the millions you know to have the millions so I think it's everything has to do with just working continually working on growing your mindset and your your level of awareness
1: this has been a Powerful, powerful podcast episode I wish we can go on for another hour and a half it's so much <laughs> value I mean again there was so much to kind of talk about we talked about network marketing. we've talked about turnkey rentals we've talked about digital marketing we've talked about the power of mentors we've talked about lifestyle design guys we have covered it all in little tidbits little great value nuggets guys and I want the listeners if they want to reach out to you guys if they want to learn a little bit more about you guys or you know find out what you guys are up to and find out about your business and turnkeys where can they find some of your
3: information just go to our website highreturnrealestate.com, and everything about our companies right there they can book a call you know with with us through that website and uh, yeah i mean that's where i would go and uh, Shecky, any other thing to add to that No.
2: well i mean we well you could we've also got a podcast too and so that's why we love doing these and uh, we're sharing some really great information on our podcast which is appropriately named the high return real estate show So, you know, you can find us on all the major channels there too. But yeah, the website's great. We put a lot into it and there's a ton of information there and certainly opportunities to reach out to us from there should you so desire.
3: Yeah. And emails are pretty easy. Jack at highreturnrealestate.com. Shecky at estate.com. Yeah. Love it. Thank
1: you guys for being on the show and we'll talk to you very, very soon. All right. Dre, Thanks so much for having
0: us. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a good fit to work with the Before the Millions team, here's what I want you to do next. Head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash call. That's beforethemillions.com/call and book an appointment to speak with our team. We'll get on the phone with you for about 45 minutes, and we'll get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, what is your cash flow goal? How much are you looking to make every month? Number two, your personalized investing strategy, and number three, the best way to get started using cash flowing rental real estate. Remember. Starting and scaling your real estate investments and business doesn't happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. We've helped clients all over the world start and scale their investing efforts to six figures and beyond while enjoying life and making the world a better place. To find out if we can help you do the same, head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash call. I'm Dorel Allier and let's talk soon.